Hello. Welcome to Hacks. It's a tech podcast. My name is Simon. I'm joined by Rob. Simon. Listeners, hello. And literally no one else, because unfortunately, we had a scheduling snafu, and it's only Rob and I today. It's the... Uh, the high T. It's the high T, um, all toxic masculinity edition <laughs> of Hacks. You know, if there's any Gillette fans in the audience, please stay back. We're going full beard today. Too soon. I'm still reeling uh, from my beloved brand, <laughs> Gillette, and how far they've fallen. We wanted to talk today about something that is now a little bit in the rearview mirror, but I, I think now that we've had some time and distance, um, hopefully everyone's had some time to reflect on on the experience and what it's taught us and what it may still have to teach us about entertainment and interactivity and life itself and of course i'm talking about netflix and charlie brooker's special event slash game slash tv show slash movie bandersnatch we're going to be talking I, i i assume about you know specific plot points but one of the reasons that i wanted to wait a while for this is i wanted to be able to just spoil stuff and not care and like i can't imagine there's anyone out there who is like waiting with bated breath to do bandersnatch and like hasn't yet so you know i guess spoiler warning if you care about that sort of thing which you really shouldn't plan is twofold i want to talk a little bit about bandersnatch specifically and you know it's it's quality level how it handles the the execution of its thing and i also wanted to talk more broadly about what i guess the greater implications are for netflix sort of treading into these waters rob you're the biggest black mirror fan i know <laughs> and uh, i i i'm i'm waiting i'm i'm just i'm so curious as to how you felt about charlie brooker's latest opus and his first interactive opus Simon, I would like you to imagine a world with me. Imagine you made choices in life, but someone else was making those choices for you. Okay. Boom. That's Bandersnatch for you. Uh, woo! Woo! Um, you know, I saw a lot of people in my feeds talking about Bandersnatch before I saw it. A real mind F. You know, they wouldn't swear. These types of people don't swear. People who are really impressed by Bandersnatch. Um, and when I saw it, I was, I was surprised at how like shallow it was. Like I don't, I've never, almost never seen Black Mirror. I watched the first episode and, uh, the second one, and that was enough for me. Um, I feel like he really nailed it, uh, at the very beginning and, uh, it was just downhill from there. Um, but you know, as someone who has quote unquote studied video games for decades now, um, and by studied, I mean wasted most of my life playing them. I think that Bandersnatch is uh, an interesting sort of convergence between those two mediums. And I think that games uh, like the interactive narrative type games have reached a level of sophistication where they were really poised to um, break into the mainstream. And Bandersnatch is the first time that that I reckon um, they've really done that. So I think Bandersnatch is a really interesting artifact um, for that, uh, which we can get into later. Um, But in terms of being a a singular um, sort of isolated piece of art, I was really sort of disappointed with it. Maybe I just hate Black Mirror. I don't know. Should I hate Black Mirror? (laughs) I mean, I think you're right to say that 
Black Mirror, I mean, there are other episodes of it that are good, but I think that Black Mirror as a project really peaked with the National Anthem, which was the first episode. And not only because it so astutely predicted the um, Cameron Pigfucker scandal, which I'm sure Charlie Brooker still feels smug about. And to be honest, I would too. But, you know, there's been individual good episodes since then, but the quality is so variable and... You know, never has a show been so well summed up by uh, by an internet joke than um, I believe it was uh, Daniel Ortberg had that that parody that was really the, the the first to pioneer black Black Mirror parodies the the fake episode description What if phones but too much <laughs> um, which 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 to, which to their credit did eventually get folded into an episode of Black Mirror so good that he still has a sense of humor. But it's, I mean, Black Mirror as a phenomenon is absolutely bizarre to me because if you see any of Brooker's older programs, like um, my personal favorite, A Touch of Cloth, you know, the guy, he has a sense of humor, like he genuinely does, and he's actually quite funny at times. But somehow Black Mirror's ended up as this very po-faced endeavor, and that's mostly the case for Bandersnatch as well. I mean, there is, there's definitely a little bit of self-aware humor here and there, and you know the fact that they throw in some choices that really have no no significant imp- impact at all on on the story is like kind of fun but you know to to make the comparison to gaming this feels like the uh the space ace to whatever is coming down the pike in terms of interactive you know digital entertainment that isn't a game um you know it's like the space ace to to like today's life is strange if that like comparison makes any sense quality polls simon um i yeah i i agree with you i think that um you know clearly this is uh something that has been created um as part of uh, like a nascent uh branch of the art form you know sort of a combined branch of both filmmaking and and uh interactive storytelling um, and it makes some some cardinal mistakes, right? Like there are entire branches of the story that you can miss out on because of seemingly arbitrary choices. And a lot of the time choices boil down to, you know, do you want the cornflakes or the sugar pops? Uh, now that specific choice was intended sort of to teach viewers how to play or, or watch Bandersnatch. But um, really, I didn't feel emotionally engaged with anything that I was bringing to the table um, as sort of the the co-storyteller of Bandersnatch. And I felt that, you know, the the best examples of um, interactive fiction uh, are where the the player and the author, the person who, you know, wrote, directed, whatever, um, are, are um, telling a story together, right? And the player uh, has an opportunity to sort of role play as the character or as themselves watching a cast of characters um, and make decisions that matter to them. But the problem with Bandersnatch is, at least, by my reckoning, uh, there was nothing that mattered to me. Yeah, I mean, it's, th- I mean, really the ultimate problem with Bandersnatch is not anything to do with its interactivity. It's the fact that it's not a great episode of Black Mirror. Um, you know, I mean, get, um, to, to pull an example from the episodes that you've actually seen, imagine that first episode had been interactive and you get to the climax and you have to decide, am I fucking this pig or not? Yes. Yes. And you've only got like eight seconds to decide. Now that would have been a memorable viewing slash gaming experience. No, exactly. And, and you've really, you've hit it on the head, right? Like, um, just like any 
film, right? Like the the objective is to um, get the the viewer to emotionally invest um, in in the art that they're viewing, right? Um, so yeah, I think you're right. It's it's more um, a failure of you know the writer's room than you know the the medium that we're working with. It seems like I mean I don't have exact metrics, but it does seem like the sh- the, the show, video game, whatever did very well for Netflix in terms of numbers. The, um, I mean, it, I mean, it's a fact that if something gets onto the front page of Netflix and it premieres at a time when there's like not a lot else going on culturally, which this happened in mid December, it's going to do well. So it's, it's hard for me to say if people were really that intrigued by the format or whether it was just a matter of timing, but I will be curious to see how much more of this content Netflix is going to be willing to engage with, because on one hand, it's, a fun novelty and it might even get them new new subscribers just for that on the other hand it's a pain in the ass to produce like this the the fact that they made this delayed production of an entire season of black mirror you have to shoot like probably four times as much material as you would with a regular you know 90 minute film probably more actually it's you know there's complexities in terms of uh, in terms of rehearsal and performance there's complexities in terms of planning um so you really uh, I, I'd be curious to see how much they're, they're willing to really go out on that limb. Um, but um, but just the fact that they're doing it also makes me wonder, like, what sort of um, what other mutations of this, like, sort of interactive enter- entertainment we might see in the future in terms of what the interactivity could look like. Yeah. Um, so I will say that, um, you know, obviously um, what I saw in my feeds from people who had um, seen Bandersnatch is that they really did like the interactive way of of doing things. You know, I, I think for a lot of people, this was their first brush with like a, a, a well-produced sort of interactive story. Um, and they got a, a charge from it, right? Like all the stuff that bothers me because I've been playing video games for like three decades or whatever, like it didn't, it didn't bother those people, right? Um, which I think is encouraging. Um, there's a lot of room for growth and a very low floor for what um, people will accept, right? Like, so the... The most interesting um, thing about the experience of watching Bandersnatch for me was really in the first like 10 seconds of viewing it. So when you first load up Bandersnatch, there's a, a little video that plays before Bandersnatch. Um, and it's it's just this lady narrating to you saying like, okay, you're about to watch an interactive movie. Make sure that you keep your mouse in your hand the whole time because you might be uh, asked to make a choice at any moment and you have to like jump on it because you're also limited by time. Um, so the, the fact that like this thing is so new that we're having to, um, like include, uh, a tutorial, you, yeah, yeah. yeah an, an orientation before the actual orientation, which, uh, the sugar pops or, or cornflakes thing that's embedded within Bandersnatch, um, uh, means that, you know, this is going to be new to a lot of people. Right. Um, which actually is is also my biggest beef with Bandersnatch is that like it's it's both a movie and a game, right? Like so it when you're watching a movie, you're in this posture where you're like leaned back on the couch, right? Like all the interaction that you have with the medium is just inside your brain. Versus playing a video game, like you're meant to be sort of like hunched over and like I'm here, I'm ready to interact, like my reflexes are like kind of tense, like I'm ready for anything. Um, and the fact that Bandersnatch like literally asks you before the movie even starts to be in that sort of tensed posture, like you're going to be doing a lot of like meaningful interaction here. Um, I felt the Bandersnatch itself didn't really live up to that promise, but it shows that Netflix is sort of ready to to fulfill it at some point later in time. That makes me wonder how many years off we are from 
you know, a version of Netflix Netflix that you have like electrodes hooked up to your skull and it just like senses what decision you want to make so that you never have to be more vigilant than whatever, you know, sitting and watching position you'd already be in. Um, maybe maybe five or six years. Well, I, I think actually I you mean that as a joke, but I'm sure that we could I'm not I don't really. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> because I'm sure that we could create um, you know, meaningful interactive experiences that don't require like active input from the viewers, right? Like imagine um if you're watching a movie on your laptop um and you've given uh you know, your web browser access to your webcam, right? So like um, the algorithm can be watching your posture as you're watching the movie. Maybe you're focusing on one character instead of another. The algorithm can infer maybe we want to know more about that one character. So insert an extra scene of character development or, you know, if the people in the room watching the movie are sort of looking away from the screen, they're not engaged, maybe slip in an extra, you know, action sequence or something. Um, I think that the way that Bandersnatch asks you to interact with the film, with the game, whatever, um, is pretty primitive, right? Like there's a mouse pointer on the screen that the choices are like very clearly stated as subtitles in front of you. Um, it, 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 I definitely feel like we're sort of at the bottom of a mountain looking up at, um, you know, possibilities that we could utilize in the future. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm picturing also in the scenario where it's watching your webcam and seeing what your posture is like, if your attention starts to drift, like the... Then the, then the plot and dialogue and acting all become more outsized than before in an yeah. attempt to get your attention yeah. back. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's funny that you mentioned that it seems like we're looking from the bottom of, of, a, of a mountain at like the potential future possibility. Because what really bothers me about Bandersnatch is that Brooker and the, the way he, his approach to this is as this meta commentary, right? Where he can't, he, it's not enough for him for them to do you know an interactive episode, which is in a way kind of groundbreaking, even though, like I said, it's not technically new. Um, it has to also be a commentary about games and about what they're trying to do to the extent that eventually you, you get a choice where you actually get to tell the character, oh, this is happening on Netflix and it all, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like it wasn't enough for them to do a, a good to do this well. They also had to make it a commentary on the thing, which is like, can we wait until we get really good at this before we get at the meta, the meta commentary version yes. of what this <laughs> is? Yeah, exactly. Um I, I do feel that, um, you know, in my limited experience, the um, the good reveal followed by the extreme earnestness followed by the too clever by half extra twist, it must be sort of a, a Black Mirror hallmark. But I, yes. I, I do feel like I was a little bit put off by, um, as you say, how Bandersnatch sort of positions the viewer as like this extra character in the narrative. Um, it, it is... It is weird, like, am I me or, like, am I this omniscient being or presence? It's like, I'd, I want to be more immersed in the story than thinking about my role in it. But um, I, I think that's by design, actually. And and I'm not just talking about the, the you know, Black Mirror-esque meta-commentary. Um, I actually had the almost sincere pleasure of watching another Netflix um, interactive film. Actually, their first one that they did, which is called Puss in Boots, Trapped in an Epic Tale. Um, and this is uh, obviously a, a licensed 35-minute cartoon, uh, choose-your-own-adventure cartoon um, based on the DreamWorks property, um, which is like shockingly similar to Bandersnatch. Um, it doesn't mm. it doesn't have the the sort of um, looping timelines and multiple branches and failure states that bring you to like. Um, different endings where, by the way, we haven't even talked about how you get a score at the end of every <laughs> Bandersnatch ending. Oh, the game only got two out of five stars or whatever. That 
annoying me so goddamn much. But Puss in Boots <laughs> is a little bit more restrained, right? It's just you're you're watching a sort of a linear narrative, and then the character will come on screen and say, like, you, reader, do you want to turn to this page of the book or this page of the book? Um, and then uh, each decision is basically its own encapsulated story, and then you sort of continue on from there. So it doesn't have that sort of that state that that um, follows you through different story choices uh, toward a unique ending. But it, it is a very similar a basic choose-your-own-adventure style uh, story. And I did find it enjoyable, as shallow as it is. Um, you are sort of, the, the characters, much like in Bandersnatch, are sort of commentating on the fact that they are in this choose-your-own-adventure world, and it's very lighthearted. And I think the format, you know, seeing it divorced from the very, like, sort of self-serious, um, you know, techno-future context of um, Black Mirror, I think the format actually works quite well. And I think... Uh, I, I haven't played the Puss in Boots one. I'm assuming it doesn't encourage you to kill your father. I mean, the, the what really another thing that really sort of bothered me about Bandersnatch is the the hallmark of um, good interactive storytelling often is that it'll give you meaningfully different choices with like meaningfully different results and won't necessarily like land on the on this like schematic good or bad um, scale of 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 you know. Of, of eventualities like um and, and, and the exact opposite is, is true of bandersnatch where if you if if you lean towards certain type of behavior you know that isn't i mean like there is no way to get a quote good ending that doesn't make you kill your father like it there is no good version that doesn't involve um you know the path of violence which is obviously part of the the meta commentary and it's also part of like the wider like tonal palette of black mirror but it kind of goes against um you know what's good about um most good interactive storytelling which is that you get different ways to different types of problem solving that result in like meaningfully different choices that are like generally roughly equally satisfying yeah and the key there is um as well that that you know a good interactive storytelling whatever quote-unquote good um you know, does ask you to to um, play, to role play, to act as a specific character within the narrative, right? Um, in Bandersnatch, you're sort of moving these pieces, this guy around on a game board, basically. Um, and so, you know, it's not you killing your father, it's you asking him or making him kill his father, uh, which adds another layer of like really uncomfortable <laughs> indirection. Um, again, you know, yeah. part of that is within you know what brooker is trying to sell to you as the narrative but then there is a really weird sort of impedance between me the viewer and the story i want to see and the story that i'm being asked to tell to this guy now another aspect of like what netflix might be doing with this that i haven't heard a lot of people talk about is we know that netflix is obsessed with stats and i'm really really curious um what they're doing if anything with the stats they collect about the sort of first choices that people make and uh, if they're going to be using that as any kind of um, as a kind of input on the stories they might tell not only in future episodes of black mirror, but in other like original programming. It, you know, it's interesting because um, I, I hadn't thought about that until now, um, but these interactive um, movies really are a great opportunity to, to scrape a whole bunch of data um, about, you know, the, the types of stories that, that um, Netflix subscribers prefer or, you know, how long it takes people to make decisions or, or all sorts of things. Right. Um, 
when I was watching Snatch, and I actually ran through it twice, once by myself and once with Moral. She hated it, by the way. Um, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, I, I noticed that uh, it's contrary to my um, expectations. Um, it's impossible to start Bandersnatch and then just let the narrative play out without touching anything, right? So I assumed that um, you would start Bandersnatch and if you don't make any decisions, um, the the movie would be designed to sort of pick a path for you that, that makes sense. And you can get from the very beginning to the very end, hands completely off the mouse. That's not the case. Um, in fact, uh, you know, if you go back and start watching Bandersnatch, you'll fail within the first five, 10 minutes, um, the story will just sort of loop you back through the first act once, assuming that maybe you didn't really understand how to use the controls. Um, mm -hmm. But then um, after that, you're, you're off to a failure state with no recovery, um, which I thought was really interesting um, and really frustrated me because I'm sure a lot of people would want to watch Bandersnatch that way, right? Like, why not just give them the option? But what you're saying um, makes me think that perhaps it was uh, a conscious choice, right? Um, to make people engage with it and then sort of reflect that back to them later um, once the data comes in. And how do you feel about the fact that Netflix now thinks you're a moron? <laughs> well, they're right. I mean, obviously, algorithms know more about us than we know about ourselves. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it, it's also possible they're not collecting any of that data and we're totally overthinking it. But I'll be curious to, to hear more about that later. Um, for the part of, of Brooker, I mean, he's said that it's a one-off and they're not going to do it again. Apparently, he didn't want to do it in the first place. And actually, this the, making it sort of a meta-commentary was sort of his condition for doing it, which tells you so much about Charlie Brooker. Yeah, and, really. and the dynamic <laughs> at, of working at Netflix. Um, you know, I, I did see a, a very highly polished um, behind-the-scenes video. It was more an advertisement for Netflix. A uh, behind-the-scenes video for Bandersnatch, where the main uh, character was not Charlie Brooker or his uh, production partner, and her name escapes me right now, but the uh, global head of content at Netflix. And he spent most of the video, it's like five minutes long, um, talking about what a great opportunity this is for like all audiences to you know really engage with uh the great entertainment that we're putting out there so i i really do think that you know this must be something um that netflix is trying to uh drive from the top down and why wouldn't they right like they they have a good yeah. uh idea um and they have the infrastructure to pull this off um and it's a differentiator for them um from all the other streaming services that are about to like explode out into the world in 2019 yeah, I mean, they they enjoy probably as close to a monopoly right now as they're ever going to, given that, like, Disney is going to have its own streaming service and all that shit. Um, so, I mean, they might as well differentiate themselves as much as they can, put out as much novel content as they can. And as much as I care about encouraging, you know, huge monopolistic corporations to do anything, I think this is something they might as well do, um, if especially if no one else is going to do it. And, you know, I'm I'm all for... Um, I'm all for sort of like blind innovation as long as no one gets hurt. <laughs> and this seems relatively safe for now. It's pretty benign. Um, you know, in terms of like what this says about the future that we're heading into, um, I, I really am looking forward to more of these, um, especially ones that, you know, have more of sort of like an emotional bent of the, the type that we were talking about before. Um, if I have any reservations, it's that, it's actually really difficult to watch Bandersnatch with someone else. Um, I, I thought it would be great. Like, Morel and I had played through um, 
a previous game of this type. Um, it was one of the Telltale games uh, for all my yeah. gamers out there. Um, and, and it works really well because every time there's a decision to make, you can sort of pause the game and like discuss, you know, what do we want to do? What do we think this character, uh, what path would they pursue now? But, you know, there's, you can't really pause Bandersnatch. It sort of breaks the flow of being inside a movie, right? So as soon as you start talking about what the character should do, kill your dad or not kill your dad, um, the movie has already gone and made that choice for you. Um, so, you know, that I spend most of my time watching Netflix, <laughs> Netflix and chilling, you know what I mean? Just watching it on the couch with my significant other. Um, Gross. <laughs> these future projects are potentially going to sort of impede that experience in a weird way, which is, you know, we would prefer to be watching uh, it together instead of, you know, doing our own version of Bandersnatch and then coming back later to talk about the choices that we made. And imagine uh, even more so um, trying to fit this model into, you know, watching alongside an entire audience in a cinema. I mean, like it just obviously right. doesn't scale um, past one person, two people as bad, three, four, five, six, seven, a hundred is unthinkable, right? Well, yeah, at that point, you would need some sort of like, um, you'd need like a button system and then like crowdsource whatever the most popular option was. And I think at that point, you'd probably be seeing pretty much the same thing in every viewing mm-hmm. because, you know, with a big crowd, you'd probably get usually pretty much the same choices. The first um, um, interactive film uh, in, I think it was like 1964, um, they had a moderator come out on stage at every like decision point and he would take like a, a hand tally, people raising their hands, we should do this one or this one. And then they would go back and like load up the appropriate reel and then uh, play that film. So we have that wonderful future to look forward to. Anyway, we apologize for being shorthanded this week and pledged to bring at least one more of us back next week for a, for a full deck and a full episode. But uh, we hope you've enjoyed this one, and we hope that you will consider going over to iTunes and rating and reviewing us, because it helps people find us. And we, despite my reticence to do much of anything, it would be nice to be found. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Hollow Minds. You can find Rob there at RG Scherf with a with an S C H. And you can find all of our episodes at Hacks.fm and on Spotify and a bunch of other places. And uh, barring any final thoughts, I think that's about it from us. Thanks, listeners. Uh, and if you like this podcast, tell your friends about it. I spent thirty dollars on Facebook advertising, and I never want to do that again. So we're only growing this podcast <laughs> through word of mouth. Thank you. Yeah, no, none of that. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye.